<laughs> um, we have some really special guests who are going to come up and share for a few minutes this morning. Um, I, don't think, I think almost all of you know uh, Beth Guckenberger. Uh, Beth is the, is the co-director of, with, her, with her husband Todd of Back to Back Ministries. But more than that, she is a really great friend, not only to our family, but also to our church family. So, uh, and Raziel is with her, and they're going to come and share for a while this morning, and then I'm going to come up and have a shorter sermon. How's that? So don't freak out when I get up with my Bible, okay? So why you guys, come on up. Come on up. Let's give them a welcome. Buenos dias. Come on, that'll make him feel at home. Buenos dias. Buenos dias. Ah, muy bien, muy bien. Um, for those of you I haven't met yet, I am Beth Kukumer, and uh, my friend Raciel and I are here in town because we've been speaking at a leadership conference outside of this city, but we brought him home to Cincinnati because we call this the promised land to our friends there in Mexico, and I wanted them to get a chance to have some La Roses and Skyline and Graders. And I said to Jeff, I... I got him here in town, and he's an unbelievable communicator. Would there be any opportunity for us to come and share a little bit with the Grace Chapel family who has invested so much in our ministry in Mexico? And Jeff thought that was a great idea. So I'm going to introduce Raciel. He is a pastor in Monterey. He takes the gospel message in some of the poorest areas of our city, and uh, he has an unbelievable testimony. I hope he shares with you today. Ya vamos. Buenos dias. <laughs> Good morning. Eh, me acompaña mi esposa. I'm here with my wife, Erica. La mujer más hermosa de todo México. The most beautiful woman from Mexico. <laughs> y lo siento por ustedes, pero del mundo también. I mean, I'm sorry for you, I'll tell you, but I think she's the most beautiful in the whole world. <laughs> es, estamos de visita en, en este país. We're here visiting this country for the first time. Es mi primera vez más adentro solamente he estado en la frontera así que me dieron un mapa por si salía de casa hoy para poder regresar a mi casa so I could get back to where we were. y yo solamente decía vivo en una casa que tiene dos aguas I said if I get lost I'll tell someone I'm going to be I'm in the house that has like a roof that peaks at the top because all our houses in Mexico are flat on the top. He's like, every house here, like, peaks up there at the top. I don't, I don't understand that. I don't know. I don't know. No sé. Estoy muy feliz. I'm, I'm really happy. Y estoy muy... Ben, me siento bendecido por el privilegio de poder compartir esta palabra contigo. I feel blessed that I have the opportunity to share the word I'm about to with you as a body. Así que quiero que tú pongas tu corazón delante de Dios. Put your heart before the Lord. Y que le digas al Espíritu Santo, Señor, habla a mi vida. And tell the Holy Spirit, open my life. Y habla a mi corazón. And open my heart. En mi país. In my country. Los reuniones. In the meetings like this. Son, son una parte muy importante en, el, en la semana de las personas. There's something that really happens, important. Ellos vienen el domingo. They come on Sundays. Vienen y adoran a Dios. And they praise the Lord. Reciben de Dios. They receive from the Lord. Trabajan toda la semana. They go back and work all week long. Y la mayoría de las personas en mi iglesia trabajan en una fábrica. The majority of the people that come to my church work in a local factory. La persona que más gana en mi iglesia gana ochenta. $80 per semana. The person that earns the most money in my church makes $80 a week. 
Y ellos tienen que estar con esos 80 dólares repartiéndolo para pagar agua, para pagar luz, para pagar comida. Y México es uno de los países que cobran más impuestos. Así que el dinero en las fábricas es muy poco para los trabajadores. Y es más poco para para poder ayudar a su familia. Quiero hablar una historia en la Biblia, en Hechos capítulo 3. Dice que Pedro y Juan caminaban juntos hacia el templo a la hora de la oración. Y dice que todos los días ponían a un cojo de nacimiento. Desde que estaba en el vientre, and, and they were their womb, ese niño no estaba normal. Así que todos los días, every day, la Biblia dice que todos los días, the Bible us every day, lo ponían afuera del templo. This put this child of the ese hombre iba a la iglesia más que todas las personas en ese lugar. Iba todos los días. He went every single day. A veces nosotros vamos el miércoles. Sometimes we go on Wednesdays too, Tal right? vez vamos a un estudio el jueves. Maybe we might go to Bible study during the week. Y el domingo siempre estamos en la iglesia. But on Sunday, we know you're all here. Pero este hombre era todos los días. But this guy went every single day. Hasta sabía lo que el pastor iba a predicar. Sabía todas las historias. He, he already knew all his stories. <laughs> Él sería un buen predicador. I mean, he, he's probably a good preacher. Sabía más que todos. He knew every, more than everybody else. Pero dice que pedía limosna. But he lost something. Entonces caminaban Pedro y Juan. So Peter and John were walking to the temple. Pedro y Juan representan la iglesia de hoy en día. They were representing the church of the day. Pedro representa el poder. Peter represented the power. Pedro fue uno de los que hizo más milagros. I mean, Peter did more miracles than anyone else, right? Pedro caminó por encima del agua. He like walked on water. Pero Juan no hizo ningún milagro. Juan, he hadn't done any miracles at that point. Pero Juan representa el amor. But Juan represented love, right? Pedro predicó en, en después de Pentecostés y tres mil personas recibieron a Cristo. Following the day of Pentecost, Peter led three thousand people to the Lord. Pero Juan no hizo ningún milagro. Juan, not any miracle. Pero tenía el amor. But he had love. La iglesia de hoy en día. The church of that day. Tiene que tener el poder. Needs to have power para caminar sobre el agua so you can walk on the water, para hacer milagros so you can do miracles, pero tiene que tener el amor but you also gotta have love, para retener a las personas so that you can bring people to yourself. Mm -hmm. ellos dos representan la iglesia They together represent the picture of the church. cuando la gente viene a la iglesia When people come to my church, tiene que encontrar el poder de Dios pero tiene que encontrar el amor de Dios but I also want them to bring the love of God. ellos caminaban hacia la oración They walk into prayer. Y ahí estaba el que pedía limosna. Then, okay, okay. El que pedía limosna. Y él los vio. And he saw them. Y dijo, ¡ay, oh, estos son los apóstoles! And he said, oh, here come the apostles. Eso sí me van a dar dinero. I bet you they'll give me some money. Pero a, a él no le importaba quiénes eran ellos. But he didn't actually care who they were. Él quería el dinero. He just was out there asking for money, actually. Al mendigo no le importaban la, las personas, le importaba el dinero. To him, the people didn't matter. What mattered to him was the money in the hand. Así que él estaba fuera de la iglesia. Say outside of church. Y veía a la hermana. He saw. 
Y decía, esa hermana siempre me da 20 dólares. Así que a él no le importaba la hermana. Solo le importaban los 20 dólares. Ni siquiera veía a las personas. Solo la veía su dinero. Así que él estaba fuera de la iglesia, church, esperando there, que llegara la gente, y decía, mira, ese hombre siempre me da 100 dólares. Pero realmente, pero realmente no le importaba las personas. Really Solo el dinero. Y muchos de nosotros us, venimos a la iglesia church, con esa actitud. Venimos a pedirle a Dios que me dé fuerzas, que me ayude, que este negocio me vaya bien, que este ministerio prospere. Y estamos siempre pidiéndole a Dios. Así que este hombre solamente quería el dinero. No le importaban las personas. Así que va llegando Pedro y Juan, representan a la iglesia. Así que el mendigo se, se está esperando que ellos le den algo. Y él se queda viéndolos. Entonces ellos lo miran fijamente. Y le dicen, mírame. And he said, Look at me. Él estaba volteando por otro lado. And he was looking on the other side. A mí no me importa mirarte, quiero tu dinero. Solo quiero tu dinero. I just want your money. Mírame. But they said, Look at me. No, that's okay. Solo dame mi dinero. <laughs> just give me the money. Así que Pedro le dice, mírame fijamente. But Peter said, Stop and look at me. Entonces él el mendigo se les queda viendo so the man turned and looked at him. estaba esperando recibir algo de ellos He was expecting to receive something from them. muchos de nosotros venimos a la iglesia esperando recibir algo de Dios dame Give me, ayúdame, help me, bendíceme, bless me, prospérame, prosper me, uh, todo para mí. Everything's about me. Y no estamos pensando en los demás. We're not thinking about other people. Y no solamente no pensamos en los demás. Not just that we're not thinking about other people. No pensamos en Dios. We're not thinking in God even. Así que le dice, mírame. So when he said, look at me. Ya sé que necesitas dinero. I know that he needed money. Dios sabe cuáles son tus problemas. God knows what every one of your problems Cuando tú vienes a la iglesia, él ya sabe lo que tú necesitas. When you come here, he already knows everything you already Él ya need. sabe lo que te hace falta. He knows what you're missing. Él ya sabe todas nuestras necesidades. He knows every single thing on our heart. Dios solamente te dice hoy. God is saying to you today. Mírame. Just look at me. No, Dios, no te quiero ver, solo quiero que me ayudes. And our temptation is to say, I don't want to see you, just help me. Mírame. And he's looking at us today in that Mírame a mí, quién soy yo. Mírame a mí, que soy tu padre. I am your father. Hijo, ya no te preocupes por los problemas. Son, don't worry about those other things. Siempre van a estar ahí. It's always gonna be there. No te preocupes por lo que necesitas. Don't worry about what it is that you're asking Siempre for. vas a tener una nueva necesidad. Mírame. Mírame. Yo soy el amor. I am love. Y tengo el poder. I have power. Tengo el amor. I have love. Y tengo el poder. And I have power. Puedo darte amor. I can give you y puedo love. darte el poder. I can give you power. Para que hagas lo que quieres. So that you can do what it is that you want. Pero mírame. I know you didn't mean it that way, but just you know. Muchas personas. Look at me. Tienen el corazón del mendigo. 
We have the heart of that beggar boy. Y no tienen el corazón de hijos de Dios. We need to change that for the heart of a child of God. Dios no quiere que vengamos un domingo a la iglesia a pedir. God doesn't want us to come here with our hands straight out. Él quiere que vengamos a adorarle. He wants us to come with our hand in the air praising him. Y una vez que le hayas visto fijamente, and when you look at him full in the face, y que le estés adorando con todo tu corazón, praising him with all of your heart, y que le estés adorando con toda tu fuerza, and have all your strength lifted up to him, tú vas a escuchar esa voz, you're going to hear the voice que te dice qué es lo que necesitas porque es tuyo tienes mi amor y tienes mi poder porque no te levantas y lo tomas entonces Dios te tomará de tu mano lo más fuerte posible y tú tomarás su mano y y Él te va a levantar sobre tus pies para caminar sobre el mar y para darle amor a las demás personas. Este es un día especial donde Dios te está diciendo conozco todo de ti yo te creé yo te hice yo te formé yo estoy contigo todos los días cuando tú duermes cuando tú te levantas a donde quiera que tú vas up, yo go, estoy contigo mírame mírame es lo más importante important quiero que morning. me mires quiero que veas quién Look soy yo y cuando veas quién es Dios is, verás que tus problemas no son nada verás que tus gigantes se quedan cortos your del lado de Dios like porque Él quiere que sepas quién es Él te voy a invitar a que te pongas de pie I want to invite you this morning to stand up. y quiero que veas a Dios Close your eyes and look at the Lord. y vamos a hacer algo simbólico We're going to do something symbolic. en México hacemos cosas simbólicas We do a lot of symbolic things in corremos Mexico. alrededor de la iglesia We run around the church. a veces hacemos cosas raras Sometimes we do things you might think is strange. llenamos de aceite a toda la gente We put oil on people. Así que hoy vamos a hacer algo diferente. So this might be a little different or new for you. Yo quiero que tú extiendas tu mano derecha. I want you to take your right hand and reach it out to the Lord. No pidas nada. Don't ask for anything. Solo míralo. Just look at him. Solo mira a Dios. Look at Jesus. Solo mira a tu padre en esta en look esta mañana. Look at father in this morning. Toma su brazo. Take his hand, y él te va a dar el poder and he will put his power in el amor and his love, para conquistar so that you can conquer tu necesidad the things that are tu problema you, your problems, your needs, tus gigantes the giants in your life. dile esto conmigo Tell Jesus with me. Señor Jesus, tú eres mi padre you are my father, y contigo and with you, puedo lograr todo You, I can do all things through you who give me strength. Te amo, Dios. I love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. No le damos un Let's give a round of applause to the Lord. Algo más. One more thing. Pon tu mano sobre This tu is boca. what we do in my country. One more thing. Una cosa más. Pon tu mano sobre tu boca. 
put your hand over your mouth just if you want to. ¿Por qué no le mandamos un beso a Jesús? And blow a kiss to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. That was awesome. That was awesome. That was awesome. Thank you. Oh, thanks so much. Ah, and God in Judges said to Gideon, look at me. Don't look at yourself. Look at me. In Judges chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, it says, Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for, this, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain cliffs, cliffs caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops... The Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither the sheep, nor the cattle, nor the donkeys. Gideon lived in a time of judgment. You basically had the Midianites, the Amalekites there, and they were oppressing the people of Israel. No matter what the people planted, no matter what the people of Israel planted, the, the eastern peoples would come down like locusts and they would consume everything. They'd eat everything. They'd take the cattle, the sheep, the, they couldn't plant their crops. So Israel was suffering. When God called Gideon, he was hiding When God called Gideon to, to, Gideon to stand up against the, the, the enemies, the Midianites, the Amalekites, Gideon was hiding. He was hiding. But when later, later on, when God called him to go to his father's land and take down and break down the altar of Baal, even though he was afraid, because when God calls us to do things sometimes, we're afraid. We get overwhelmed. But even though he was afraid, he did it anyway. He did it. And this, this courageous act ignited the passion of 32,000 of his countrymen. And they followed Gideon into battle against the Midianites. Before the battle, God was concerned that the Israelites were going to take credit for the victory. And that's exactly what would have happened. So he whittled down their numbers to 300. First, he sent 22,000 fearful people home. Anyone who's afraid can get up and go. 22,000 people out of 32,000 got up and left. That was really encouraging. And then 97 others, 9,700 other people left as well. And you can read. I'm not going to get on the details. We've talked about this before. You can read about how unique it was. And God whittled them down to 300. And then he set, sent 300 into battle against over 130,000 people. God sent 300. God sent a remnant to take on an army of 130,000. When Israel saw their courage and how God worked through them to do a miracle, their, their, their ranks were swelled. People were, were taking on their cause. Now, if you're ever wondering to yourself, how do I get my children more passionate about Jesus Christ? There's one of your answers. We need to set the example in, in our successes and in our failures. When you succeed in your life, show your children humility. Give God the glory. And when you fail, show them faith in your failures. 
Show them perseverance. Show them endurance. You're always teaching. Because I get all the time, well, how do I get my kids to feel? That's it. One of the answers is we need to be the example. We need to show them God in every area of our lives. The Bible says after this, for a generation, Israel worshipped God faithfully because of Gideon's obedience. Because of his gallant obedience, because of, of, his, of his courageous obedience. Now, I want to back up here, and I'm going to jump around a little bit in this story. So I'm going to, I'm going to jump around, so don't, don't lose me. Gideon is not the hero that Israel is looking for. Much like our man Ehud, the left-handed man from a few weeks ago. He's not the, he's not the hero that they're looking for. The children of Israel are crying out. For deliverance, once again, they, they're, you know, they, they're doing well for a generation and then they, they're disobedient and they go into captivity. And now they're crying out for deliverance and God gives them a prophet. And the prophet tells them and reminds them of God's faithfulness, how God was faithful to them, but instead they rejected him. In Judges chapter 6, verses 8 through 10, it kind of lays that out. Now, God in his perfect timing... When all seems lost, speaks to Gideon while he's threshing wheat in a wine press, in an old wine press. Now, why would he be threshing it there? Why would he be threshing wheat in the wine press? Well, it was in an effort to keep from the enemy his activities, what he was doing. Because you remember, they came down like locusts and kind of ate everything. So he's hiding in a wine press. Here's the context here. Hiding in a wine press, making bread. And then the Bible says, this is in verse 11. So you have that context of what he's doing. And the Bible says in verse 11, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I'm sorry, but every time I read that, it cracks me up. The guy's hiding in a wine press and he, God's like, yeah, it, it, come on, mighty warrior. And I'm thinking to myself, he's probably thinking to God, what are you talking about, Willis? You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's amazing. And here's the amazing thing, and I want you to write this down if you will, because this is one of those things where it's kind of an aha sometimes in the Bible. You see how God is calling out what will be and not what is? God is calling out what will be and not what is. I don't know about you, but that's an encouragement to me. When God called me into full-time ministry, I was paralyzed by public speaking. Paralyzed. I wasn't just afraid, nervous about public speaking. It was like my heart would beat. I, I spent the first five years in ministry. I won't go into detail, but in the bathroom on Sunday morning, I spent a lot of time in the bathroom, all right? But God was calling out. He wasn't calling what was. He was calling what, what would be, what could be. That's exciting for us as the remnant. That's exciting for each one of us to know that God sees us for what, how he created us, for what we can be. And that's what God does. Now, hiding from your enemies in a wine press trying to make bread is not the stuff of legend, my friends. It's not the, it's not the story that you hear, wow, look at this guy. Well, before God called him, he was amazing. He was incredible. He was dynamic. He was hiding. Gideon is an example of the kind of remnant that God is raising up right now. How many of us feel sometimes like hiding? How many of us feel like giving up because of all the, all the craziness we see going on around us in the world? But listen to what Gideon says to God in verse 13. Judges 6, 13. Pardon me, my Lord. 
Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. How many of us today basically would say the same thing as Gideon? feel the same way. I mean, we feel we, we somehow feel surrounded by darkness on every side. How many of us, in all honesty, have said in our minds, where are all the wonders and miracles that we read about in the Bible? I think a lot of us think the same way Gideon was thinking. After Gideon gets through all of his complaints, the Lord speaks to him again, and he says this in verse 14, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? You see how, you see how God here refuses to acknowledge what Gideon is basically saying? Acknowledge his complaints? He doesn't really acknowledge Gideon's complaints and respond to him. He, he basically reaffirms his calling on Gideon's life. You see, God sees the real you. God sees the real you, the person he created you to be, the part that no one else can see. That is what God sees. You see, God's a visionary, a true visionary. And a true visionary doesn't just see the potential in projects, but he sees the potential. He sees what people are as well. Not just projects, but people. And God can look at us and he can see who we are because he created us. And you sit here sometimes and think, well, God can't really use me. And, you know, but God sees what will be, not always just what is. We say, well, I can't and I'm not. And God's like, "Uh uh-huh, okay, I understand. Now go do what I called you to do. But Lord this and Lord that, well, maybe not. Well, how about, oh, I don't know. And it, okay, mm mm-hmm, yeah, that's, yeah, mm mm-hmm. Now go and do what I told you to do. You have to step out in faith knowing that God knows you better than you know yourself. He knows what you are capable of doing because he created you. And so when you sit back and you think, well, I'm not, I'm not sure I can be a part of the remnant that God is calling. You're mistaken. He created you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And he certainly knows you better than everyone else around you who sometimes discourages you and belittles you and tries to hold you back because they don't want to see you become all that you were created to be. But God does. We need to be encouraged because God is raising up a remnant and he has called us to be a part of that remnant. Listen to what Gideon, listen to how Gideon responds to what God has to say. Sounds a lot like us. But Lord Gideon asks, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. To which the Lord replies, I will be with you. I see a theme. I recognize a theme here. God continues to come back to that same theme. God purposefully picks the weakest man in the weakest tribe, the weakest clan. Why? Because it isn't about the man or the woman. It's about the God who walks with the man or the woman. We just heard it. It is God who's all powerful, who loves you, wants to use you. 
It's never about me or you. It's about how God can use me or you. It's about the God that walks with me and with you. That's why we can have confidence that God will do through us powerful things. This is the kind of remnant that God is calling today. Gideon has it right. I'm weak, he said. He has it right. I don't come from a long line of heroes. Gideon's heart and Gideon's, Gideon's thought process was right on target here. Without God, outside of God, we can accomplish nothing of any significance. But let me tell you something. With God by our side, when our God is walking with us, there's nothing we can't accomplish. We're unstoppable. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, it says this. It reminds us, but God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to know. Qualify the things that are. It is God who does the calling. Our job, our responsibility is just to be obedient. God calls you to do something in your heart. And sometimes you ignore him because you think, oh, I can't do that. Or I'm not capable of that. Or I never did before. I don't think I can. Or I don't think I should. Or this person told me when I was younger and all these kinds of things. And God is saying, would you please just listen to me? I hear your excuses. I hear all these things. I hear your complaints. I understand. Okay, you got, I've heard it. Now, go and do what I've called you to do. I am with you. I created you. I know you better than you know yourself. I'm not just calling what is. I'm calling what's going to be. What you're going to become. You need to trust him. Again, he knows you better than you know yourself. We think, how can God use me? But God, on the other hand, deliberately raises up the weak and the overlooked. Deliberately. Today, he is calling the broken and the battered, the lowly and the humble, to stand against the strong and the proud. To stand against those who are mighty and many. And the end result is going to be the same as when he took 300 and, took, and, and sent them into war against 130,000. The end result of God raising up the humble and the few against the mighty and the many, the same result will happen. Throughout biblical history, it's happened where God takes a remnant and he takes that remnant and he sends that remnant into war against those who would stand against him. And the end result is always the same. In Judges chapter 6 and verse 18, Gideon says, Please do not go far away from me until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. My friends, once you experience the presence of God in your life, you're never the same. Once you experience the presence of God in your life, you are never the same. His presence becomes an all-consuming passion. Gideon was poor, but he still wanted to give an offering to God. That's what happens when we experience the power of the living God in our lives. Not just go through the motions. Not just go through, it's just kind of a, a, a religious experience or kind of just end up going to, I mean, how many of us have gone to church all of our lives and never experienced the power of God in your life? How many of you have gone to church and you've gone, to, I'm not going to pick on denominations, but you've gone to church your whole life and you just kind of go through the motions and do your thing. 
But no one's ever told you that you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. You have the power of the resurrected Jesus Christ living in you. That God is calling a remnant. He wants you to be a part of that so you can change the culture around you. You have more power than you understand. We need to break free from religion and get into a relationship with Jesus Christ and start to live our lives the way God has called us to live. Gideon is poor, but he wants to give. He wants to give a gift to God. See, when God starts to move in our lives, what we once thought as ours becomes his. And I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking about your whole life. What we once thought of as ours becomes his Our minds change. Our attitudes change. Now, you may be thinking, well, I don't have a lot to give. And you're not, forget the money. You're talking about yourself. I don't have a lot to give. But what little you have, he can use that to make a difference in the lives of people all around you. What little you have is all he needs. Remember, you got to remember something. It's never about you. It's what God can accomplish through you. And the more humble you are, the more open you are to saying, God, I don't know what I have to offer like the widow's might. I don't know what I have to offer like the little boy, the loaves and the fish. I don't know what I have to offer. Every time you bring what little you have to God, he does something miraculous with it. We need to remember God's people were worshiping at the altar of, of Baal the same way the people in their culture were. We need to remember that in the, at this time. In this day, they were worshiping. They got sucked up into culture. The Israelites were sucked up into this culture. And when Gideon breaks down the altar of Baal on his father's land, it's basically like signing a death warrant. When you have the courage to stand up against culture, you're going to pay a price. I am not going to kid you. What I'm asking you to do in the past series, in the past year, and in this series specifically, if you do it, you are going to pay a price. I don't want to bait and switch you. I don't want to get you all fired up, send you out there and think, oh, it's all going to be fine. It's going to be difficult. If you stand up against culture, it will be difficult. But I wonder how much passion we have, not just in this church, but we have as Christians to break down or tear down the idols of our day. I mean, let me share something that I found very interesting. The pillars, the principal pillars of Baalism were, number one, child sacrifice, the killing of their children. Number two, sexual immorality, both homosexual and heterosexual. And number three, pantheism, which is the, which is the, uh, the reverence of the creation over the creator. And I thought to myself, wow, Interesting. Then I read Ecclesiastes 1.9 again, and it said, What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. My friends, we need to stand. The question we need to ask ourselves this morning, if you ask no other questions, when Jesus Christ returns, where will he find us standing? Do we have the courage do we honestly have the courage to stand up against the, against the practices and the trends and the systems and the policies and the laws of our day like Gideon did? Do we have the courage to do that? When we see something wrong, when we see something going on that's wrong, and I mean by wrong is this is right. 
I don't have, Jeff Greer has no opinions in this world of what is right and wrong. The opinions, I don't have opinions. What I do is read and then I, I, I give to you what I read from the word of God. I know people, oh, everybody has an opinion. Everyone's opinion counts. Every, I understand all that. We can all have opinions. I respect your opinion. I totally respect people. But what is wrong comes from the word of God. What is right comes from the word of God. Are we willing to stand up against what the word of God says is wrong in our culture today and see change in our culture? Gideon, Gideon gets himself 10 other people who go out at night and they tear down the, the altar to Baal. And it doesn't take the people too long to figure out who did it. It's kind of a whodunit. It takes them a couple, a very short period of time. They investigate. They find out it's Gideon. So they, get, they go to Gideon's father. A mob of, of, of Baal worshippers go to him. They say, you bring out your son Gideon because we've got to put this guy to death. And Gideon's father is a pretty smart guy. He basically says to the, all these ranting Baal worshippers, if Baal's so all-powerful, why are you doing his bidding for him? Why are you coming on his behalf? Isn't Baal powerful enough to, to fight his own battles? They kind of you know, scratch their heads and all go away. It kind of works. They don't kill Gideon, obviously. Let me ask you something. What, think, about, think about this. What an incredible testimony to all those people who are worshiping, this, worshiping if you will, Baal. What an incredible testimony. Every time they see Gideon alive, it is basically an in-your-face, if you will. It shows the weakness and the impotence of the God that they worship. Every time they see Gideon, he is an example of the weakness of the God whom they choose to worship. Ask yourself, just ask yourself, am I a living testimony to the power of God over the enemy? As a Christian, if you're not there yet, we'll, we'll get there together. But ask yourself, am I a living, wherever I am, wherever, wherever I influence, am I a living testimony to the power of God over the enemy? And what role has God called me to play in his plan to restore our culture? It will be a remnant that restores the culture. It will not be the masses. I said last week, if you didn't get the memo, the culture war is over and we lost. But it's not the end. It's just the beginning because throughout biblical history, God raises up a remnant and he uses the remnant to influence culture, to make the changes that he wants to make. And so I'm asking you, where are you in God's plan to bring about the changes in our culture? Is it in the education system? Is it in the marketplace, in business in the marketplace? Is it maybe in the community you live and you, you like to serve in your, in your community? Is it in the political arena? My goodness, wouldn't it be amazing to raise up some political leaders who are influencing culture for Jesus Christ, who, who have a desire to do what is right, to sacrifice themselves for the good of everyone else? God is raising up leaders like that. Ask God where he wants you to serve. God is raising up a remnant, people who are a testimony to the one true and living God. It is happening all around us. 
You are going to see people in the in the in, in, in area of sports, in the area of politics, in the area of even even actors and actresses. You're going to start. You watch and see. You'll see them start standing up. And being bolder for Jesus Christ. Because as we get more and more pressed on every side, the Holy Spirit is going to become stronger and stronger and stronger in a remnant. And they will not be pushed back. They will not retreat. Because the power of God is in them. I've told you this before, but I want to say it again. You remember the armor of God. You talk about all the armor of God. Where is the only place a Christian is vulnerable? It's back. If I'm moving forward, if I'm standing for Jesus Christ, the only time in my life that I'm vulnerable is if I, if I cower down and turn my back. Don't turn your back. Stand up for Jesus Christ. Stand up and be part of the remnant. Be a part of the movement that God is calling in our day and age. By standing in the gap and defying cultural trends, my friends, you become an example to the world. You become an example. Gideon was an example to his people. Here's a guy hiding, making bread in a wine pr- in the bit an old wine press. But God says, "Hey, hey, hey, come out of there. Come out of there. Mighty warrior. Hey, mighty warrior, come out of there. Come out of your hiding. I have something I need you to do." And he's complaining and his how about this or his, you know, you, you know the story. You know, if I, but if I put the sheepskin over here and you make it wet and you make the floor, all those kinds of things. God puts up with all that. I can almost see him laughing about it. But God uses Gideon and the people of his culture, the people of his day, see God do something miraculous through one man and then a few men and then it grows And that's what happens when people, when you set an example for the world, when you set an example for your children, when you set an example for people at work. I'm going to tell you something, okay? People are desperate for someone else to stand up and say, you know, I'm not sure I agree with this. I'm not sure I agree with that statement. I'm not sure I agree with what you're saying. I'm not sure I'm, I'm not sure I agree with this decision. I'm not. People are dying for someone to stand up and lead and say, you know what? I don't think this is right. And let me explain why. Because most of them are afraid. And it's when someone else stands up and has the courage to lead that other people will follow. But someone has, has to have the courage to lead in the marketplace, in education, in the political arena, in our communities. I'm not saying be obnoxious. Don't, don't hate anyone. Don't be rude or cruel or in any way harmful to the people around you. What do we hear this morning? Loving. Be loving. We need to be compassionate and kind. But we need to speak the truth. We need to speak the truth. William Morley Punchin wrote this. Speak the truth. By all means, speak it so that no man can mistake the utterance. Be bold and fearless in your rebuke of error and in your, in your keener rebuke of wrongdoing. All God's witnesses are bound to be thus valiant for truth. But be human and be loving and be gentle And be brotherly the while. My friends, what I'm calling you to do is to speak the truth in love. To speak the truth in love. But for goodness sake, speak the truth. Let's pray.
Father God, we love you and we trust you. And Father, we know that you're, you're raising up a remnant. We know that you're moving in this country in powerful ways and we're encouraged to see it. We know you're moving around the world in other countries. And we're encouraged to see what you're doing. And Father, we pray that you would help us, allow us to be a part of what you are doing in the world. And whatever we have to offer, what little we have to offer, you can do miracles through our tiny offerings. So God, I pray with, with, for me personally, with what tiny offering I can give you, I pray that you would use me to impact the lives of others. I pray, dear God, for every single person here, you give me the privilege to oversee and to invest in, that they would offer up, that they would truly offer up, Lord God, as they held up their hands this morning to you, that they would offer up themselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you, for that is our spiritual act of worship. And we pray that you would take that sacrifice and use it in a powerful way, because God, we love you with all of our hearts, and sometimes we're afraid. Sometimes we just, we backslide. Sometimes we, we, we don't know how to do it or what to say. But God, I pray that you'd use us anyway, as frail and as, as, as backward and as messed up as we get sometimes. I pray that you'd use every single one of us to do your, your to influence this world in the way that would please you in Jesus' precious and holy name. We all pray this morning. Amen. Have a great, great day.